Man, we're so glad that you're here. Would you please help me welcome all of our locations, especially our Orange Park campus right now. Wanna welcome you guys. Hello, OP. I'm gonna have to push that big announcement back until next week because we don't wanna, uh, we wanna give uh, Miss Joyce as much time as possible. And uh, I just wanna say this, we are so grateful that Joyce Meyer is with us tonight. Come on, are you excited? And uh, I just wanna, before she comes up, I wanna introduce you to the man behind the ministry, the man, come on Dave, stand up. Dave Meyer, everybody, come on. And uh, uh, before Joyce comes up, I just wanna say that um, we're just so grateful, obviously, for, for Joyce and Dave to be here. And uh, you know, Joyce has done so much for the church and so much for the body of Christ. And one of the reasons I was really hoping that she could come this year, as you guys know, I'm trying to get some of the generals of the faith, so to speak, uh, before our young people and before our college students and our youth students. And, and, uh, and of course, many of them are gonna be at the next service, the 7.30 service. And uh, we're so appreciative. You know, Joyce is obviously television and conferences all over the world. But I just wanna encourage you, one of the most powerful things about Joyce Meyer Ministries is their missions program. And they do unbelievable just ministry projects all over the world. I really encourage you to go uh, to her website. You can go to JoyceMeyer.org or JoyceMeyerMinistries.org. Her son David is a good uh, friend of mine. I had to bribe him with you know several deer hunts and turkey hunts and things like that. And David and I uh, to to get his mom here. But no, we have a great relationship. And y'all might not know this, but uh, but Joyce several years ago she went over to Zimbabwe. And she poured so much into that nation and so much into our church over there, Celebration Zimbabwe. We are still seeing the fruit of that. And uh, she's just, the family is an unbelievable family. Uh, and uh, they've just, God, just such integrity and longevity, and we're just so grateful that she's here. We're looking forward to sponsoring some wells and some church plants uh, with them this year, but I don't want to speak any longer. Come on, a woman, the one and only, Joyce Meyer. Come on, give it up for Mama Joyce, the legend, the woman. I like this. You got a little runway out here. I said, I like this. You got a, is this working? Hello. Can everybody hear me now? Nobody can hear me. Hello. You can hear me. There it comes. All right. Can you hear me up there? All right. I said, I like this. You got a runway. I can run out here and get you. Well, it's so nice to be here and actually pastor's right. He probably did bribe my son to <laughs> somebody, somebody, some of the guys from ARC asked David recently, how does Stovall get your mom to come all the time? And he said, well, he's bold enough to keep asking. So <laughs> anyway, we, we love you guys. And I tell you, things are on fire here. 
I mean, there is some stuff going on at Celebration Church. We are really excited about everything going on here and particularly about your focus on the young people because they really are our future. And if we want the future to be any better than things are right now, then they're the ones that are probably gonna have to have the input. Well, 40 years ago this month, I taught my first little Bible study. <laughs> so, I am celebrating 40 years of teaching the Word of God this year, and uh, I love God's Word. Uh, you have no idea what a mess I was. Still am sometimes, but what a mess I was when I first started. Why in the world God chose me is a mystery that I will never, ever, ever understand. But I am living proof that God can use anybody. And I mean that. So, I'm going to go ahead and get right into the Word tonight. Father, we thank you for the Word. That's what everybody's come for. And I'm so grateful that they love, love, love the Word. And the Word changes us. It changes us. There's power in your Word. So I pray tonight, as I share the Word, that I would be led by your Spirit and that people would make decisions tonight. There's no point in just hearing if we're not going to make decisions to apply it and let it change our lives. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tonight I want to teach you about the most dangerous word that I know. The most dangerous word that I know. And that word is tomorrow. <laughs> I'll do it tomorrow. You know, there's such a temptation to put off things that are difficult. Uh, things that are gonna hurt, things that are gonna challenge us. We're always hoping that if we put it off one more day, maybe by some miraculous means, God will do something and we won't have to do anything. But the truth is, procrastination never makes something easier to deal with. I mean, it, it's just a lie. It never makes anything easier to deal with, but what it does in the meantime, while you're not dealing with it, it, it gives the problem a chance to grow and get worse. And it also makes us not feel very good about ourselves. I think when we know we should do something and we keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off, it puts pressure on us, even if we're not admitting that it pressures us, it pressures us. Now, some of you maybe have a real problem with procrastination. Some of you maybe don't. But whether it's a huge problem for you or a little tiny problem or no problem at all, I think this is a message that we will all enjoy. Exodus chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh... And say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. And if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite your entire land with frogs. And the river shall swarm with frogs, which shall go up and come into your house and into your bedchamber and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and upon your people and into your ovens, <laughs> your kneading bowls and your dough. Buddy, you are gonna have frogs everywhere <laughs> if you don't let my people go. 
and they shall come up on you and on your people and all your servants. And the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the rivers, the streams and the canals and the pools and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters and the frogs came up and covered the land. But the magicians did the same thing with their enchantments and secret arts and brought up even more frogs upon the land of Egypt. So I guess Pharaoh thought he was gonna get some help from the magicians and they just made the problem worse. <laughs> then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs. Well, we do that, you know, we ask God, take our problems away. From me and my people, and then I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Now you gotta watch this real close. Moses said to Aaron, Moses said to Pharaoh, glory over me in this, dictate when I shall pray to the Lord for you, your servants and your people, that the frogs may be destroyed from your houses and remain only in the river. When do you want me to pray, Pharaoh? When do you want to get rid of this problem? <laughs> and Pharaoh said, tomorrow. <laughs> now, I mean, what kind of stupid do you have to be? I mean, if you've got frogs in your bed and frogs in your oven, frogs in your bathroom, frogs in your driveway, frogs are everywhere, 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 and somebody says, look, if, if you want me to pray tonight, we can get rid of those tonight. And he says, no, tomorrow. Let's do that tomorrow. Well, you know, I've never got close enough to a frog to smell one, but I would imagine that they don't smell too good. So I think it might be safe to say that they probably stink. And you know, sometimes we say, probably everybody in this place has said it sometime or another, my life stinks. And maybe it's because we're hanging on to our frogs. <laughs> and maybe you could have gotten rid of them a long time ago. <laughs> but you're saying, tomorrow. I'll deal with that tomorrow. Well, you know, God is always today. He's always for right now. We never want to put anything off unless God tells us not to do it until a later time. And when God tells us to do something, I don't want you to miss this point. When God tells us to do something, put something on our heart that we're to deal with. When he tells us there is an anointing there for us to do it. If we wait till our timing then it's gonna be really hard and sometimes impossible because now we're trying to do it on our own and our timing and God's anointing is not on it like it would have been if we would have done it when he told us to. Amen. You know, sometimes we can kinda, of, have you ever opened your refrigerator door and you smelled a stink? Now, refrigerators are a little different now than they were when, when I was a homemaker and all my kids were at home. They kind of do all these fancy things now. They defrost themselves and all kinds of stuff. And we didn't have all that back then, but we had this little drain in the bottom of the refrigerator and all the not so good stuff would just kind of drain down into that plug. Well, 
the last thing you wanted to do was have to get down to that plug because it usually hadn't been touched in a long time. Any of you remember that? Do we have anybody here old enough to remember that? Okay, a few people. And um, so I can well remember, I remember this. The refrigerator would stink. You'd think, well, I don't know what that is. Move a few things around, maybe put some baking soda in there and <laughs> think, well, tomorrow maybe it'll be gone. Tomorrow. And then it just gets worse and worse. So finally you throw away a couple more things and you know, you kind of just know you really should just clean the whole thing out because it hasn't been cleaned out in a long time. And maybe, maybe some of our lives need a good cleaning out. Maybe we've just been taking our frogs to church with us and it's time to <laughs> get rid of those frogs. Maybe even in church, you try to keep them from croaking too loud because you don't want anybody in church to know that you have frogs. Now, you know, I tried this out of the country one time and it didn't go over as well as I thought it would. I don't think they got the analogy quite as good as you are here tonight, but I, ha I had to make a quick change. And I don't know, maybe in that country they love frogs. But um, finally, finally, I would have to take everything out. Oh, I, I also tried like sprays, you know, like I would spray the refrigerator. Well, you know, we kind of like to do that with our frogs sometimes, go get some frog be gone and hope we can just spray on them and, and they'll, they'll go away. You know what? Today you can get everything drive-through, but you cannot get a drive-through breakthrough. I mean, you can do everything drive-through. You can get your pictures developed drive-through. You can eat drive-through. You can pick up your medicine drive-through. I mean, I've heard you can, you can get your cleaning drive-through. There's all kinds of drive-throughs, but you cannot get a drive-through breakthrough. Now listen, there's only one way to get a breakthrough in your life, and that's to go through. You gotta go through, amen? And uh, you know, it's sad to me that so many people start out with a great vision. They have a plan, they have a dream from God. There's something that God's calling them to do. And in the beginning, it's all very exciting. And boy, if they ever make it to the finish, it's very exciting. But not everybody makes it through the middle. And it's the middle that you gotta make it through. And usually in the middle, you spend a lot of time by yourself trudging along with just you and God. And people stopped clapping a long time ago. <laughs> and now you're just doing it because you believe with all your heart that that's what God wants you to do. Well, you know, I was really excited when God called me. I remember I was making my bed and I felt him say, you're gonna go all over the world and teach my word. And I was just like, ah. Everything was so wonderful, you know. And I thought it was gonna happen with Shirley within the next two or three days. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it didn't happen that way. And you know, I'm pretty excited now because I'm, I'm finishing. I'm, I mean, people ask me all the time, what's your goal, what's your vision? I said, I'm living my dream. You know, and boy, when you can say that, that's saying a lot. I mean, I'm doing it. What I felt like that God showed me I was gonna do, I'm doing it. But let me tell you, I wasn't real thrilled in the middle. The middle was hard. The middle was lonely. The middle was a lot of dying to self and the crucifixion of the flesh and letting God deal with me and letting God deal with me. But my greatest testimony is I'm still here. See, that's a, that in itself is a great testimony. And maybe you're one of those people that can say, well, I've made it five years or 10 years or 20 years and I'm still here and I'm not gonna quit and I'm not gonna give up. And you know, even now in my life, that's the way I feel about the rest of my life. People say, have you thought about retirement? Are you gonna retire? I'm like, 
how do you retire from a call on your life? I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think this comes with a retirement package. You know, I think you just do it till you fall over and then you go to heaven. And so me, that's, you know, that's what you got to do. So finally, I would have to take everything out of the refrigerator and put it all on the table and scrub it all down and finally get down to that stupid drain and get that out of there and get that all cleaned up and then put things back in and everything was. <sighs> How many of you would like to wake up in the morning and say, I love my life? <laughs> you know, I do that every morning, Dale. I wake up and say, I love my life. I love you, Lord. I love myself. I love people and I love my life. And I tell you what, it took me so many trips around the mountain to get to the point where I could say that. I don't want somebody else's life, I like mine. I don't wanna be somebody else, I like being me. Amen. <laughs> Hebrews 11.1 1 says something very interesting that I don't think a lot of times we notice. It gives a definition of faith, but it starts out, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of the things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Now, why does it start with now? Why doesn't it just say faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for? I think that there is no faith if it's not now. <laughs> See, right now, I can believe God for tomorrow, but I can't wait until tomorrow to believe God. Right now, I can believe God to take care of the mistakes that I made in my past, but I can't go back and undo those things. So what's the point in living in the past, mourning over things that you can't change and you, you can't go back and change, but right now, you can have faith that God could take those things and work some good out of them, amen? If you listen to me much at all, or probably ever even a few times, you know that I was sexually abused by my dad for all the years that I was growing up, and it was quite a huge mess, and my mom was afraid of him, and so she didn't do anything about it, and so it, it, it was just a nightmare of a situation. And I drugged that past around with me for a long time. I had a chip on my shoulder. I was bitter. I was full of hatred. I felt sorry for myself. Somebody owed me. Somebody owed me. And you know what? If you've been hurt, somebody does owe you, but none of the people that you're trying to collect from can pay you back. Only God can pay you back. Yeah. Only God can pay you back. I spent a long time trying to collect from Dave, and he just thought I was a nutcase. He's like, what is your problem? Don't we do that? We, you know, we get a chip on our shoulder, and we feel like we're do something. We were mistreated, somebody owes me, but it's not gonna do you any good to try and collect from the people in your life now. They didn't even have anything to do with your pain. So stop going to them and start going to God and saying, I can't do anything about that, but now, come on, now, today, I'm gonna believe that you can take everything that happened to me and work it out for good. And now I'm gonna stop being full of self-pity. Now I'm gonna stop hating people. Now I'm gonna start having a good attitude. Not tomorrow, not next week, not some other time, right now. How many of you are at a point in your life where you need to do some things now? It's time. Right now. 
I wish you could all get back in here for the second service. I got an even better message for that service. <laughs> I'm starting trouble, aren't I? <laughs> I don't think you wanted me to do that, did you? <laughs> Uh, you're right where you need to be at just the right time. Now. Everybody say now. now. Hebrews 4, 1 and, 1 and 7 says, Therefore, while the promise of entering God's rest still holds and is offered today, <laughs> let us be afraid to distrust it, lest any of you should think he has come too late and come short of reaching it. Every promise of God is available for each and every one of us. Yes, every one of us, not for somebody else, for you. This is for you, not for the person on your right, not on your left, not behind you, not in front of you. This is for you. Every promise of God is available to you today, right now. All you have to do is get out of your head long enough to look into your heart and take a step and say, I'm gonna believe it. You don't have anything better to do anyway. There's nothing else that's doing one bit of good, so why not just go ahead and give God a good, healthy try and see what He can do in your life, amen? Somebody said one time, well, what if you spend your whole life believing this stuff and then when you die, there is no God and you find out you were wrong. I said, well, what if you don't believe in God and you get to the end of your life and you find out I was right? <laughs> and you know what? Even, even, which it cannot happen, but even if I got to the end of my life and found out that I'd believed in a myth the whole time, at least I was happy <laughs> while I was here. I honestly just, I shake my head now and just, I just don't get people who are spending all their time trying to get rid of God. That just does not make any sense at all to me. And then again in verse seven, he repeats himself. Again, he sets a definite day, a new today, and gives another opportunity of securing that rest, saying through David after so long a time, blah, 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 blah. Today, today, today. All right, when God gives you your enemy, whether that's a bad habit that you need to break or an eating disorder order, or a, an addiction or a bad attitude or a bad temper or whatever it is. You know, I had boatloads of problems when I entered my serious relationship with God. I always have to say that because I had a relationship with God long before I got serious. <laughs> Amen? And so just in case that's any of you, and it's probably not, but just in case... I mean, you could not go to this church and not be serious, I'm sure. But just in case you brought somebody with you tonight that hasn't quite made their decision yet. You know, being, being a serious, seriously committed believer to the Lord Jesus Christ cannot be done in a one-hour church service on Sunday morning. It just can't happen. It can't happen. The only way you can be seriously committed is to be dedicated, and that means it takes all of everything that you've got. But let me tell you something, if you give God all of you and all you've got, he'll give you all of him and all he's got, and you're gonna get the better end of the deal. You will definitely get the better end of the deal.
But I had so many problems. I never heard a message I didn't need. And it really got downright depressing. I thought, how can anybody have this much wrong with them? I mean, everything I heard, I didn't just need it a little bit, I really needed it. And the Bible says, and actually, let me tell you this, after five years, I felt like I hadn't made hardly any progress at all. And I knew that God was setting me free from things, but I just had so many problems. Is there anybody in here that ever feels that way? Okay, good, then this is for you. Deuteronomy 7 verse 2 says, and when the Lord your God gives them over to you, them being your enemies, and you smite them, then you must utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor shall you show them any mercy. Now, when God revealed to me that self-pity was destroying my life, I'm sure you probably heard me say it. It was a pivotal moment for me. He said, you can be pitiful or you can be powerful, but you can't be both. And uh, so maybe some of you need to make a decision tonight. You know, you can stop feeling sorry for yourself because you weren't born in the right place to the right family or you didn't have this privilege or that privilege or, or something else. Or you can just go another trip around the mountain and keep your frogs a little while longer and maybe somebody will come back in in a year or so and preach it to you a little different way. But <laughs> sooner or later, the only thing that changes anything is when we make a decision. And so God told me, you can be pitiful or you can be powerful, but you can't be both. So I started really cooperating with the Holy Spirit and working with God on that problem. And, and yet every once in a while, I would wanna just feel sorry for myself for just a little while. Maybe just have my morning coffee with self-pity. And I would, surely I would get over it after morning prayer, but I just needed to be pitiful for just a little while. But see, what I was doing was I was showing mercy to my enemies. <laughs> Come on. You know, the Bible says some pretty rough stuff. It says the violent take the kingdom of God by force. The kingdom has suffered violence, but the violent take it by force. And the first word in the Greek is suffers attack. The second word, the violent take it by force, is the energetic. Those who understand that their problems are not gonna go away just because they sit and pray for them to go away. They're going to go away when they partner with God and take action to do what God shows them to do. And I love First of all, I love what I'm doing or I wouldn't have kept doing it this long. And I love what I'm doing because anybody who will act on the word that they hear, even tonight, you can go home from here and you can kill another one of your enemies. Amen. You can be a better person tomorrow than you were today and be a little closer to God and be a little more usable to God if you'll just stop making covenants with your enemies and showing them a little bit of mercy. So now, you know, you, you don't want to have a big problem, but just every once in a while, maybe just give them a little bit of mercy. Same way, whenever God started showing me about not staying mad at Dave, I mean, I started out, I'd get mad when talked to him for three weeks. 
I mean, three whole weeks, I could be in the house with him and not say one word. And when I started realizing how, you know, how bad that was and how against scripture that was, and you know, that didn't happen overnight. That probably took another five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, none of this happens quick, you know. The Bible says in uh, Deuteronomy 7:22 that God delivers us, listen to this, and the Lord your God will clear out those nations before you little by little. <laughs> so God delivers us from our problems little by little. He's still helping me in certain areas of my life, and I expect that he will be helping me with things until he comes back to get me. God is not disappointed that you haven't arrived, but he is disappointed if we don't keep pressing on. He wants us to always be making progress. Don't ever, ever feel bad about yourself because you have not reached the place of perfection yet. Just keep pressing on. That's exactly what Paul said in Philippians. I press toward the mark of perfection. I've not arrived, but I press toward it to take hold of those things for which Jesus died to take hold of me. Let me say it again. Don't ever feel bad about yourself if you still have a weakness or two hanging around that you're dealing with, I've got some, one in particular that I'm fighting with all the time. But let me tell you something, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness, and the worst thing you can do is try to hide it and make excuses for it. You call it what it is, you open your heart, and you ask God to help you get rid of it. I love to see people make progress, but it's only truth that will set us free. And it's never the truth about somebody else that will set me free. It's always the truth about me that will set me free. Amen? Amen. When somebody offends me, have they offended me or did I just get offended? Say, <laughs> so we always want to, well, you did this. You, 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 you. But I can't control what they do. God's asking me to do something about me. Amen? Amen. You know, there's, a very, there's some kind of almost scary language in the Bible. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. <laughs> if your hand offends you, cut it off. <laughs> well, obviously, he's not saying to pull your eyes out and cut off your hands, but what he is saying is deal violently with the things that are keeping you from the best that God has. And you can't just fight with stuff on your own. You have to fight in the power of the Holy Spirit. But the point is, here's my point. Let's go back to something I said earlier. When God reveals to you that something is wrong and it needs to go, there is an anointing now for you to deal with that. And God will help you deal with it if you'll do exactly what he shows you to do. Let me tell you something. I don't believe that the Bible would be full of scriptures telling us that we can be free if it was impossible for us to be free. The thing each one of us needs to do is to do exactly what God tells us to do, and it may not be just like what he told somebody else to do. We did a conference one time, and it was, people were eating at these banquet tables, and it was an all-weekend conference, and when it was over, it was a ladies' conference, and they were all sitting around tables together, and, and at the end of it, a lady, made her way up to me and she said, well, I found out here what my problem is. And I said, well, what's that? She said, well, it's interesting. She said, I was abused. And she said, I've just had all kinds of problems. And, and she said, I just didn't understand why God hadn't set me free. I saw so many other people giving testimonies of freedom, but I didn't understand why he hadn't set me free. 
And she said, God arranged for me to be at the table this weekend. Don't you love that God arranged? God arranged for me to be at the table this weekend with several other ladies that had gone through the same thing that I had gone through. And as I listened to them talk, I would hear them say, God showed me to do this and I did it. And God showed me to do this and I did it. And she said, they're all free now. And you know what I found out? The only reason why I'm not free is because God also told me everything he told them. The difference is they did it and I didn't. See, tomorrow. <laughs> oh, you know what? Good intentions are not obedience. And we're deceived by that. We think, well, I'm, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. Now, you're not gonna like it when I say this, but it even affects us in areas like, yeah, I, I'm gonna clean that closet out. You know, I'm old enough to just meddle for a few minutes. So just, you know. Yeah, I, I need to clean that garage out. I'm gonna do that next week. And, and the point is, you know, you can't do everything today. But the thing is, is you, anything that we know we should do and we don't do, what happens? It aggravates us, doesn't it? Every time we see it, it annoys us. Hmm, I'm hearing a few wows out there. All right, excuses and blame. Stop making excuses for your frogs and blaming your frogs on someone that will never be able to get rid of them. <laughs> Facing truth and taking responsibility is the only way. God is ready to help, but only those that are really ready to take an honest look at their own lives can be helped. Why do I have frogs? Did I invite the frogs? Have I gotten used to my frogs? Am I comfortable with my frogs? Do I take my frogs to church? Have I gotten so used to their croaking and their stink that I don't even notice that it's there anymore? <laughs> when other people call attention to my frogs, do I just blame them and make another excuse for my frogs? Now, probably if you've heard me teach a dozen times, you may have heard me talk about the man in John chapter five that laid at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. My daughter-in-law is here and her mother's with her tonight and she's shaking her head yes because she probably heard me I don't know how many times. To me, this story in John chapter five is like one of the most amazing stories in the word that makes the point that I'm trying to make here tonight. Once a year on a certain day, an angel came and stirred up the waters in this pool. I guess made them bubble or something. And at that time, whoever got into the pool first, one person, <laughs> one who got into the pool first, got a miracle, miraculous healing. So all year, people lay all around this pool that had all kinds of diseases and they were crippled and blind and all kinds of things, waiting for the bubbling up of the water. Wonder how many people have been laying around waiting for their miracle to come from God. Now, you know, sometimes we can't do anything to help ourselves, but I will say this very rarely. <laughs> Most of the time, if we're willing to do something, anything at all, I always say, if I will do the little bit that I can do, then God will do the whole bunch that I can't do. Just a little bit that you can do. 
It may just be so pitifully little that you think that's not gonna do any good at all. But if you do the little bit that you can do, then God will do what you can't do. The whole principle of tithing proves that. What happened with the little boy who gave his lunch? Such a pitiful little tiny bit in the face of the need that was there. And yet Jesus took that little bit that he gave, multiplied it, and in the end they had more left over than what the little boy had to give to start with. And it, it works the same way with everything in our life. If you think you don't have enough time, then give your first 30 minutes to God every day and watch him multiply your time. Just watch him. Well, I, I can't do that. I don't have enough time. Well, <laughs> try it and see. You spend those first 30 minutes with God, you can get more wisdom in 30 minutes about how to handle the rest of your day than you can running your head off all day long. So, if we look at John chapter five, verse five, it says, now there was a certain man who had suffered with a deep-seated and a lingering disorder for 38 years. I finally realized last year after calling him the crippled man for 40 years that there's nothing here that says he was crippled. <laughs> I've made him crippled, I guess, but I, I guess I assumed if he was laying there 38 years that he couldn't walk, but I don't know, maybe, maybe I was wrong. Um, for whatever, he lay there for 38 years. Now watch, verse six, when Jesus noticed him lying there helpless. Now you know, Jesus was full of compassion and he noticed him helpless, knowing that he'd already been a long time in that condition. He said to him, do you want to get well? Well, what kind of a question is that? <laughs> Do you want to get well? And here's what the Amplified says. Please get this. Are you really in earnest about getting well? <laughs> That's a Selah. We got to stop right there and pause and think about that. Do you really want to get, well, of course I want to get well. <laughs> but are you willing to do whatever God shows you to do and do it over and over and over and over and over and over until you uproot all those poisonous weeds in your life by making good choices? Good the invalid said, now here it comes right here. <laughs> I love this. The invalid said, sir, I have nobody when the water's moving to put me into the pool. <laughs> Don't you love it? I have nobody to do it for me. But while I'm trying to come in myself, here comes the self-pity. Somebody always comes and gets ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, I don't even see that. Yeah. Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. Poor guy. And when the water is stirred up, while I'm trying to get in, somebody else always steps down ahead of me. Now, you would think that Jesus would have gotten down and just said, oh, you poor man. I just... oh, 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 oh. 38 years you've been putting up with this. Well, I understand why you have a bad attitude. Of course you, <laughs> of course you have a bad attitude. Who wouldn't have a bad attitude with the way you've been treated? But no, you know what Jesus said to him? 
he looked at him and there's an exclamation mark. Let's put up the next verse. And Jesus said to him, get up. <laughs> and you know, that might be the most anointed word that I could speak to you here tonight. Maybe somebody just needs to hear this. Get up. Get up. <laughs> and you know, they tell me that everybody in the next service is under 30. I said, well, what happens if you're 31? Do you not get to get in? I don't know. But... So I'm assuming that everybody in this service is not under 30. So that means that there's some of us here that need to get up and we need to get ourselves ready to be an example to the younger generation. Amen. Get up and boy, I love the rest of it. And pick up your bed and walk. <laughs> I love it. Get up and clean your mess up from where you've been. Okay, I mean, you know, I got too many stories and not enough time, so I'm gonna pick and choose here. All right. Are you in a pit? <laughs> you say, I am in this pit, and I tell you what, it is a pitiful pit. Well, have you really decided to get out of your pit? Or have you just decorated it and made it as comfortable as possible? Do you have a little space in your pit for your frogs? <laughs> I just have a story to read you, you'll get it. The man in the pit. <laughs> Years ago, I came across a piece about someone who fell into a pit and couldn't get out and how other people treated him. A subjective person came along and said, I feel for you down there. An objective person came along and said, well, it's logical that someone would fall down there. A Pharisee said, only bad people fall into pits. A mathematician calculated how the individual fell into the pit. A news reporter wanted an exclusive story on the person in the pit. A fundamentalist said, you deserve that pit. A Calvinist said, if you'd been really saved, you would have never fallen into the pit. An Armenian said, you were saved and you still fell into the pit. A charismatic said, now just confess that you're not in that pit. A realist came along and said, man, that's a pit. An IRS worker asked if he was paying taxes on the pit. The county inspector asked if he had a permit to dig the pit. <laughs> a self-pitying person said, you have not seen anything till you see my pit. <laughs> An optimist said, things could be worse. A pessimist said, things will get worse. <laughs> Jesus, however, seeing the man, reached down, took him by the hand, and lifted him out of the pit. Amen, 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 amen. Okay, now listen, I'm gonna close with this little story out of, um, let's see, where's it out of? No, let's, let's do this. You know, in John 11, beginning in verse 37 through 44, we see one of the greatest miracles that Jesus performed. He raised a dead man. And he'd been in the, 
in the grave already for several days, and so he was stinking. So he was a man who had a stinking mess. <laughs> Amen. Verse 37 says, but some of them said, could not he who opened a bland, 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 blind man's eyes have prevented this man from dying? Now Jesus, sighing repeatedly and deeply disquieted, approached the tomb, and it was a cave, a hole in the rock, and a boulder lay against it. A boulder, huge rock. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, exclaimed, but Lord, by this time he's decaying and throws off an odor. He's been dead for days. Jesus said, did I not tell you if you would only believe you would see my glory? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Yes, I always know that you hear me. On, on, on. Verse 43, when he said this, he shouted unto Lazarus with a loud voice, come out. And out walked the dead man. You say, well, Joyce, what is your point? Well, here's my point. I find it very interesting, read that story for years and years and years, never paid any attention to it, but we miss one of the most important things about that story. I ask you why, if Jesus was getting ready to raise a dead man who'd already been dead four days, why did he need the people to roll away the stone? Why didn't he just blow the stone out of its hole when he came out? Here's why. Oh, if you get this, it's all over but the shouting. Here's why. Because even in our miracles, we must participate with God by doing our part. Amen. So maybe there's just a little thing that God has told you. Maybe it's your stone to roll away and then your resurrection will come. Maybe you need to go and apologize to someone you hurt. Maybe you need to totally forgive somebody who hurt you. And I mean like, do it right. <laughs> Actually start to bless them. God asked me to take care of my mom and dad until they died and uh, it's probably one of the greatest testimonies I have but it, it was probably one of the single greatest things that God ever gave me the grace to do and I believe it impacted my life and my ministry in an unimaginable way it's one thing to say I forgive you, but it's another thing to go take care of somebody for years and years and years that did their very best to try to destroy your life. Amen. Just some little thing, maybe. Maybe some big thing. Maybe it's that morning time God's told you thousands of times to, to have with him, but you just keep letting the devil give you one excuse after another after another for not doing it. Roll away the stone. Get out of that pit. <laughs> Kill those frogs. <laughs> Zacchaeus is a great little guy in the Bible that couldn't see Jesus. He was a short little guy. It says he was short in stature and he couldn't see Jesus. And he wanted to see Jesus. So he ran on ahead of the crowd and climbed a tree. I love that. 
And interesting enough, when Jesus came by, for some strange reason, right when he got under that tree, he looked up and he saw Zacchaeus. And he said, come down here, I'm going to your house for dinner. Ooh, I bet that got everybody standing around. <laughs> well, why would you go? <laughs> you know why? Because he liked his spirit. He liked his attitude. I may have a handicap, but I'm not gonna let it stop me. I'm gonna run on ahead. Come on. If I gotta climb a tree, I'm gonna climb a tree, but I'm going to see Jesus. I'm not gonna be left out. So let me just tell you, if you're a little short in life, and I'm not talking about your stature, I'm talking about you feel like you kinda came up short. You didn't quite get the education. You didn't quite get the right upbringing. You didn't have a good start in life. I wanna to announce to you tonight, and don't you ever forget it, it doesn't really matter what kind of start you have, you can have a great finish. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me pray for you, okay? Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you in Jesus' name. Let me just pray for you. Father, thank you for the word you gave us tonight, and I believe that there's an anointing on what we preach. And so I pray for an anointing for people to deal with things and to no longer procrastinate and put things off, but even especially in the little tiny things that you put on their heart that might not even make any sense to anybody else. I believe if they will have that childlike faith and just obey you, that they're gonna see some great things happen in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.